Welcome to The Perfect Blend, the podcast where we pair the books we read with a delicious cup of tea. I'm Shelley Haskell. And I'm Candy Beaker. Hi, Shelly. How are you? Hey, Candy. How are you doing today? I am marvelous, wonderful, and very, very nice. <laughs> I am also. It's a great weekend to be spending with friends and family. New family that you get to visit with. Congratulations. I am super excited. Well, yeah, new baby. That's ba- new grandbaby. It is very exciting. And Just I know a- this is not on par with grandbaby, but I loved this book. It was an easy read, but I loved it. You did? That's cool. I I found lots of things to love about it as well. Yeah. One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle. Searle, I think is how you do that. So this book, Katie's Mother Dies, and Katie is a young girl in her late 20s, and she is left feeling very bereft, reeling from that loss. And Carol wasn't just her mother, but her best friend and the person she would call her every day, just like a lot of us with our mothers, right? But she had all the answers. And now when Katie needs her the most, she's gone. And to make matters worse, they planned a mother and daughter trip of a lifetime to Positano in Italy and a magical town where Carol spent a summer right before she met Katie's father. And Katie had been waiting years for her and her mother to take this trip. And now she's faced with embarking on that adventure alone. Rebecca Cyril, she is an author, a television writer, and she lives in LA. She has written six novels and co-developed a hit TV adaptation of her, of her young adult series, Famous in Love. She received her her Master's of Fine Arts and the New School at New York City. And she loves Nancy Myers films, bathrobes, <laughs> bathrobes. Okay. And give an unsolicited relationship advice. How I'm funny. right there, right there with her. <laughs> and that comes from her website. Yeah. Her website is beautiful, by the way. I love the design of it. And she had some pretty cool stuff like that uh, playlist. playlist for on Spotify. And I love that idea. And I think I that's think something that's... I want to try a little bit more for our books. I, I do too. I think that's a great idea. And I'll always, if they don't mention food, then I'm thinking about food that would go with the story. I don't know what that is about me, but you've got food, drink, and now we have a playlist. I thought that was perfect. Yeah. It has that certain vibe to it. I want to go to Positano. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell you, if we go, you might want to have this tea that I have in my hands. It is by The Tea Spot and it's called Keep Fit because, oh my gosh, those steps. They that did she some, talked they, about. That's crazy. They did, they did some walking. So this tea is a green tea, but it has uh, matcha and mate and lemongrass and natural lemon flavoring. And so it's very energized and very lemony. And I even put some dried lemon slices that I keep in a jar because I like lemon in a lot of things. And of nice. course, you have to have uh, some honey with this one. You want honey with lemon tea, right? Most definitely. I am going with Twinings of London, their herbal tea, lemon delight. Mm. And if you read the book, you understand why we gone with lemons because lemons are a big part of Positano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We both want to thank you for giving us a listen. We would love it if you would leave comments or book suggestions and leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify if you enjoy your time with us. Yes, that would be wonderful because we would like to hear what you, what books you want to hear about and what teas we pair them with.
To start off with this book, I will say that as a mother, and and I'm grateful to have my mother with me, but many of friends my age do not. And the thought of not having your mother in your life is really hard. And so I really could appreciate this mother-daughter relationship. And I love that it focused on that relationship in a way that you could be a young woman facing your future and wanting your mother with you. You could be a woman of any age and thinking about what your mother's life was like growing up when you reflect on, you know, we all reflect Mm -hmm. on our parents' upbringing and how it affects our upbringing and how it affects us bringing up our children. So that generational reflection, I really enjoyed. I thought more towards my relationship with my daughter. Mm -hmm. We are not geographically close together. Mm -hmm. And so when we get to see each other and we're limited because she's working and yeah, I'm not, but we, we kind of schedule it. So we have time together, but this really made me want to up my game in doing things with her and planning things. You know, I don't want to be all up in her business. I would not have done well in this relationship had Carol been my mother. I don't think I'm not used to that, but I do think that I could step it up and do a lot better in making that time and make, making sure that we're doing things, girl trips, hanging out, doing something. So to me, it was inspirational in that respect. And then of course, going to Italy. <laughs> Anything that could get me to Italy, I'm there for. You know, my mom and my grandmother, my dad took my mom and my grandmother to Italy when mm-hmm. I was a very young girl. So my grandfather came and stayed with us. But I remember it was the only place my grandmother ever got to go out of the country. My mom too, now that I think about it, it was very special for him to have done that for them and have that time that my mother and my grandmother got to have a trip to Italy and they went to to Rome and Trivoli. Wow. My dad had to go to Naples when I was young for work for something. And he brought back these wooden trays and plates and mom used to have them hanging on the wall. I actually used the trays. I Mm love them. And he also brought me this doll called Funicula. And he was kind of a, he had a clown face and he had this orangey red hair. He was really weird looking. I loved that that doll. Oh my God. I slept with him and the dye from his hair would (laughs) stain my chin, but I would not, not let them take him from me. And then I got tickled because I, you know, then the song Finiculi, Finicula, I always think of that when I think of Italy. And then of course we went in high school and that just, I've always wanted to go back, always wanted to go back. And I've never been to Positano and I think that would be, oh, a beautiful trip. I, uh, the whole Italian lifestyle is as portrayed in literature and movies seems particularly awesome to me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Under the Tuscan sun. Yes. And now this. No, I love that. Yeah. yeah it was, this is an interesting story. It, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Katie is a wreck when her mother passes. She just stops. She doesn't know anything. And you're at the beginning of the story. You just feel so bad for her, for her grief. Mm-hmm. But to me, as the story went along, mm-hmm. I was not feeling so sympathetic towards Katie because she basically was just a bobbin in the water and wherever the current her mother took her is where she went. She didn't think about it. It was just whatever her mother, her mother brought the food. Her mother brought her the clothes, the sheet. She took her everywhere and did all these things. And you start to see that Katie really did nothing without her mother. Her mother was still mothering her in her adult married life. I think Katie does realize that when she's on this trip a little bit, when she thinks about her marriage, her poor husband, Eric, I think Eric seems like a perfectly fine husband. And I think she took him
him for granted. I think everything came easy to Katie. Some people might be calling this privilege because everything was already planned. She was the kind of person who could, at the beginning of her marriage, purchase a house, <laughs> who could take a vacation, whose mother had planned that vacation and paid for that vacation. These are such luxurious events. And Katie herself seems unaware of that. But she she doesn't have to be aware that she's so well off. We can enjoy her adventure. But I myself noticed that her mother, or the only person I can assume, her mother was so good at planning things and taking care of her that she planned all of these things to go just as smoothly as they could, I guess. And having tried to be a good mom, looking at that, it's a little daunting to think that, I know it's fiction, but you think that there's a, a mother out there who could constantly make the plans ahead for what that child is going to need. It was pretty, pretty mm-hmm. uh, intense. Okay. And truthfully, at first I was a little annoyed, but I got a little bit better about it as we got more into the life in Italy that we experiences and her eye-opening experiences. And I think the trip, she went to see Italy as, I guess, her mom, or she thought her mom saw it. And it shakes her out of her normal routine of mom did everything for me. I didn't mm-hmm. have to think. I could be a passive person. Check the boxes. I got the house. I've got the job. I've got the husband or husband house job. And I really don't have to do anything. Mom will make those decisions for me. And you just kind of want to shake her. It just go, it goes against everything. Being, I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it would be very invasive. Like, I want to pick my own things. Slow your roll. Thank you, but slow your roll. And she just was not that kind of person. And here she comes to Italy and she realizes, I don't have to do things. I have to, what if I did something different? She starts to kind of wake up, which is really a good thing. It is a good thing. <laughs> One of the things that at the very beginning that was kind of strange, and I thought, well, this author is doing a, a very interesting take on a summer read. Katie describes his mother as the great love of her life. And... A summer read a lot of times is about relationships and love, you know, Mm -hmm. but this was an interesting thing. And I was like, all right, well, I love my mom, but I don't love my mom more than my husband. Right. (laughs) And I love my mom in a different way. And yes, she is a very important person to me and is there for me. I don't know. It's just, it was a weird way for me to put, to hear that put. Mm -hmm. I think it was strange. (laughs) All right. Because if your mother is the love of your life, then what does that make your husband? That's right. And accessory? He's an accessory. Well, he I think he was an accessory. He was an approved accessory. <laughs> right. He loved her enough to go along to a certain extent. He would try to put that point out that this is a decision we make. This is not something you run by your mother first before you consider it with me. And he did that in the most loving way. He wasn't ever ugly or impatient. Well, he was. he had a little patience, but he was never confrontational, I guess is the word I'm looking for. He put it to her as plainly as he could, because you could tell he was frustrated. And I mean, what do you do if you know that you have no say and that you are second in thoughts and things? If you're going to hang around, then you're just going to give up. You're just going to do your thing in your own little bubble because what's the point? (laughs) So I can see why he was like he was. (laughs) I'd just be like, okay, well, excuse me, I have a decision to make. I'm going to go ask Carol what we should do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to skip your opinion and go straight to them, to your mom and say, you know, yeah, we'll make a decision together. What refrigerator and when should we have children? (laughs) 
I don't know that I could have stayed married to Kate, but that's fine. They were happy. He loved her. I he did. Know. And he loved Carol, Carol and Katie's dad. Mm-hmm. He did love them. And he was all in and being part of the family. So that was a good thing. It didn't totally rub him the wrong way. He did love you, them. But what did you think about how Katie treated him about his own grief in that situation? I mean, she was a spoiled, immature brat is what she was at because that time, she had sure. no, <clears throat> he's grieving. He's trying to help her grieve and she wants none of it. And she wants nothing. It's like, well, if my mom's not here to tell me how to act around you or feel about you, then I really don't see any use for you. You wanted to shake her. You can grieve, but you still have a life to lead. And I do get the, you look at other people around you, your life is stopped and everybody else, their life is going on. The world's still turning. Things are still happening. People are still doing whatever it is they're doing and you have stopped. It's a hard thing, but you have to recognize that that's all part of the grieving and that your mother would not want you to stay that way. That That's my opinion anyway. You don't stop living. A part of you might stop living, but you still have life and you're wasting your time here if you just stop. You have your own gifts and things to, to put out in the world and that's how I feel about it. As you're sitting here talking about it and I'm thinking about the weight of that on anybody who's close, you know, not everybody's super close to their mothers. and But this situation, she was and how definitely any deep felt love for anybody, you're going to have that hole and you're going to go through those depression moments. Mm-hmm. And how and- you handle the people around you is important for your strength. I mean, he, Eric had been much more of a, a person of strength for her. And that could have been a time that really brought them together in a right. different way. Right. I think she missed something there for, at least for that time being. I don't know what it was about Katie. I wrote down notes about Carol, her mother. She was a pillar of the community. She was all of these things and she was a mover and a shaker. She made things happen. And I thought, yeah, I want to be like that. I want the regular lunch dates with friends and the running inside with a bag full of something to drop off with your kids. Or you have food in the fridge and fresh flowers and you're always prepared for that. And to me, that was just singing. Yeah, I'd like to be that person too. But Katie just let it happen. It's like, I'm just here at the whim of my mother and whatever she says to do. And I just, I didn't connect with her very much at all. I just thought, gosh. One of the relationships that I saw mirrored in this story was the marvelous Mrs. Maisel a little bit. Because there was that perfect Jewish New York, well put together woman that had all of these things done for the whole family Mm -hmm. and how much she took care of everybody in that family in that series. And so she was my model in a way for this story. Although I think Carol's much more down to earth than the Maisel mother, but that well put together woman who can do all of those things. It's not me. (laughs) I'm not that person. She goes to Positano and she's taken in with the scenery, the food, the people. And I think that was probably the best thing that she could have done is just go ahead. And even Eric says, you need to go. Yeah. You need to go do this. This Mm -hmm. is something that I think will help you. God bless him. And she's just cutting his heart out as she's leaving for the airport. She's just so brutal to him. So brutal. (laughs) She's brutal. Oh, it's killing me. I was like, I cannot believe. Hopefully when you go, you're going to see 
what a good person he is. I hope that wakes up in you. Mm -hmm. Crazy. But then we have in this story out of this grief, we have your great summer travel kind of thing. And mm -hmm. she gets off at Positano and there's this strange interlude of how to get there from the airport to the train to the mm -hmm. car, various journey kind of thing that gets her there. And then Positano is just an island that's sort of trapped in time. Yes, trapped in time is the word. I got tickled when we started this. I thought, is this a time travel book? You know, what's going on here? Would we classify this as time travel? What actually happened? We never are really sure. And I kind of like that, that little not knowing. It's just one of these, these strange interludes because when she starts there, it's modern time. The concierge knows who she is, Monica. And Monica knows that they had plans for travel and what they were going to do. She had that their itinerary and she said that she was sorry about her mother and she goes to eat. She's enjoying the scenery and the sights and just kind of being there. She goes to sleep. And I thought it was strange because she says that they changed the chair covers. So they had one yeah. chair cover and she said they've changed all the chair covers to red. And to me, when I read that, I thought, well, that's strange. Do they put different ones out for different days or that's kind of excessive. And I had that thought when we first read it and I didn't realize the significance of it until you get to the end of the book. And then it's, it's, ah. Uh, Oh, that's why they were red. That's why they changed. She throws that little zinger in there for you to see if you'll catch it. When they said that, and I did catch that, the change. And you know, I thought about those slip covers that people put over their yeah. like high back chairs and the cushions. I just thought, okay, so they just changed it and she's like this color. I don't know. It really didn't dawn on me as anything significant. Uh, really, truthfully, I forgot all about it until you said that. <laughs> well, I thought of it when I read it and I didn't put anything down. I just thought, well, that's weird. They must, okay, this hotel really does some old school stuff, I guess, that they changed out the chair covers. And then I didn't think anything else of it. But when we got to the end and they had changed back to what she saw the first day she got there, I went, that mm -hmm. signifies the mm -hmm. change in things. That just, it was interesting. Yeah, Katie just, she puts no effort in. The more you read about her up till she gets to Positano, she just, my mom was a better wife than I am. She was a better everything, but she was definitely a better wife. I mean, she just cops out. She cops out on things. She doesn't put any effort. She doesn't, she could be a better wife. She could do the things, some of the things that Carol did in her own life, but instead she'll just stay in the shadow. And I just, I can't stand that. <laughs> I really couldn't stand that. She meets someone in this red covered chair hotel in Positano, mm -hmm. Hotel Poseidon. I love the name of that hotel. I do too. And he, Adam, his name is Adam. He's very debonair. He's trying to have a little holiday romance with this single woman and she's conflicted. So he, he does show her around. He's friendly, but he, he calls her on her BS. Mm -hmm. Every inaction is a choice. It's like, you don't, you don't feel like you have any agency in your life, everything you do is a choice. I'm like, thank you. That's what she needed to hear. She needed to hear that, Adam. Thank you. From somebody who just sees her as a stranger and hearing her talk, he's putting it to her. This is all I, you. I totally see that he was a good listening ear and he definitely was somebody who could be a love interest and she kind of kept herself at bay. Like, mm, mm -hmm. I'm 
And I respected that in her. I did. I was glad that he was more of a friend and a listening ear. But I knew that something had to go further because it's even not with him, but in this story, you don't go to a beautiful place by yourself for a summer vacation, even if you're grieving and not expect on an island that's full of love interests. That's what they all do. They go out there to find, you know, romance and party and nightlife Mm -hmm. and things like that. And you're young and in Italy. Mm -hmm. I think that he is able to see her as nobody else, but just her, not under Carol's shadow. He doesn't know Carol, not under her family or her situation. Mm -hmm. He just sees her as her in this place. And that helps her see herself. I think there's possibility. I think that he is such a catalyst for that Mm -hmm. in showing her who she is Mm -hmm. without the shadow of her mother. But speaking of her mother, what did you think when she first ran into her mother as a 30-year-old? Okay, I had... I thought first that she was just really losing her mind a little bit. Like she just either was grieving so much that she found this person who looked enough like her mother that she was projecting. I thought so too. And then I thought, well, maybe this is like a ghost story kind of thing. And there's an actual person of modern times that I don't know, sort of like is channeling (laughs) her mother a little bit. But she was so straightforward. Like, this is exactly what my mother looked like. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's strange. And I thought maybe her mother had been trapped in time here in some way. Maybe it was going to be like that. And I don't even know when I really realize that they weren't in modern times because when you are in an out of time place that doesn't change Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the things that she described could have been at any could have been the 40s 50s 60s the 2000s it doesn't matter the things that she described were so similar to any time period the author did a good job of not making you aware of that Mm -hmm. because you go to a different place the music you're hearing you're not going to know if it's popular or not that whole vibe and that Carol was so happy to have her there and just took her in. I guess she's a fellow American who's somebody her age, who's from California. And she seems to have, well, she knows things about her mother, but she knows things that Carol is excited that she knows they have that connection. Mm -hmm. So you don't really realize until much later on that she's in a different time zone. But yeah, it's kind of what is she, is she just see somebody who's like her mother or is her mother in somebody's body? I was thinking the same exact things. It was just, mm-hmm. how is this happening? How does this happen? And she kind of takes her around with her and shows her what she's doing in Italy. And eventually she drops this big bomb on Katie. And Katie really struggles with this. She, she flips out. <laughs> she flips out. She really does. And she's trying to reconcile the mother that she thinks she knows with the mother that she actually was at the time. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. Do you think she handled it well? Well, I think it was a shattering experience for her. And no, I think she was ridiculous to not see her mother as a person her own age. Mm -hmm. Like her mother was trapped in time from the time she was born. She was only going to be Katie's mother. And she came into this world as a fully formed mother Mm -hmm. who knew how to do everything perfectly for this one child. The fact that she had to be knocked over the head with a club to see that her mother 
mother had a life before this bratty child existed was angered me. <laughs> it did me too. She was so selfish. And I understand you're already grieving and then you get this and it is a blow what she finds out. It's one of those things, but she knows how things turn out. She knows how things turn out and the way she acts is stupid. Completely really judgmental. Stupid. Yes. Was very judgmental of her at that time. She had no ability to extrapolate the person that her mother was and the choices that her mother had to make. She could not get beyond her own. This is how anything you've ever done would affect me. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, and it is true. <laughs> but I suppose Katie, not having been a mother herself and maybe not wanting to think about mm -hmm. the choices that you have to make when you're a mother. Or being responsible for somebody else and having to make decisions and do grown up things that she right. refuses to do. Right. I think the author really glosses over that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if the author had the depth of emotion that in Katie's character because, or the lack of it, because mm -hmm. she herself wanted us to see a character that didn't have that viewpoint or the author really didn't have that viewpoint. <laughs> right. To me, it was, are you serious? You're here. You're here. So obviously she made the right choice, mm -hmm. but this is where she was in her life at that time. So yeah, be upset, reflect, but don't act like a total ass about it. And she was a total ass. Mm -hmm. And then she's reeling through all this stuff. And then <laughs> she makes some decisions that are kind of do or die decisions. And the next thing you know, the chairs in the restaurant, mm -hmm. chair covers have changed again. Mm -hmm. And in comes Eric. And we're back in the present time. Mm -hmm. And you kind of are putting two and two and three and three together to figure out what's going on. So did you like the ending? I like the ending just fine. I will say that I think that Katie, everything was tied up very nicely mm -hmm. for her moment of... I don't know, how do you call it? Her jumping off the cliff, so to speak. Great that she had this crazy outlandish moment in time. And luckily it actually wasn't in her regular timeline. So she was completely unaffected by that in her real life. And but truly it, the consequences of things that happen are not going to affect her in real life. That's right. So that was interesting to me. How nice and neat to have your cake and eat it too. I'm glad Eric showed up mm -hmm. instead of just passively letting Kate Katie, go on, sitting there waiting for the ghost of Carol to come lead her life. Mm -hmm. He showed up and just kind of, let's go from here. Let's go from here and see where we go. And I was very happy about that. But yeah, I mean, it is a summer romance kind of read. It's a summer read. So you do want things tied up at the end of it. And I think that she did a good job. I, I really liked it. And I liked that it was the ambiguity of the her going back and meeting her mother. What really happened? We don't know. She could have just had sunstroke and slept through all this. Yes. It could have been a dream. It could have been she wandered off up to the to the pathway mm -hmm. of the gods and mm -hmm. just at a moment went, stayed in Airbnb or something. I don't know. She went in the wilderness for a little while. I don't know. It was good. And I have lots of recipes. There's a lot to... of lovely food menus in this book uh, that I did like. They talk about this magical transformation of good food and good drink. And it's like, I can't go there all the time, but how can I make this happen at home? That's my big takeaway of this is how can I recreate the, this 
atmosphere that I love so much in these stories at home. And that's where I'm going to leave it. We could talk about this all day and things like that, but I'm sure you have things to do. You've got a grandbaby to go see. I do have a grandbaby to go see. I've got, I can't buy plants because I was told not to. So I will find something else to do on this gray Sunday, but we will be back next time. Same tea time, same tea channel with a new book. And we will see you later. You can find us on Instagram at the perfect blend underscore SC, our Facebook page, The Perfect Blend, our website, the hyphen perfect hyphen blend.com, and of course, all of your usual podcast channels. Until next time, read and sip on. <laughs>